Chazal teach us that Nayak was building his Teva for 120 years. Every single day, day in and day out, Nayak would come and he would start taking out his hammer and his saw and his planks of wood and build a Teva. And Chazal tell us that the reason why he did it for so long, why Akrish Baruch wanted him to be so occupied in this endeavor for so many, so many decades, over a century of work, Chazal tell us is in order that the people should go and ask him, Nayaf, what are you doing? And he should tell them, I'm building a teva. Why are you building a teva? Because there's about to be a mabo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me that I have to escape from a looming flood. Why is there a flood? Because you guys are not acting appropriately. You're sinning. And they should be inspired to do tshuva. And what happened was, for 120 years, he would do this job day in and day out. Nobody did tshuva. Not only did they not do tshuva, but Chazal tell us that they were malayg. They started making fun of him. They threatened him. They made him into the butt of their jokes. And so, yet he persisted, and for 120 long and hard years, he was able to be mekayim the Ratz and Hashem. And the question is, how does a person, how does a human being have the ability to do this? If it was me that was building a teva, even if the Rabbi Shalom comes and tells me, and I see that my efforts are futile, I'm not able to inspire anyone, no one's changing, I'm building a boat here for 120 years. It's a long time. And yet I never tire, I never waver, I never lose sight of what I'm supposed to be doing. I never just fade away. How does a human being have the capacity to do this? That's question number one. How did Nayak have the Kayach? And the question number two is that we see that this same Midah was found on the Teva itself. On the Teva itself, for the 12 months that Nayak was on the Teva, there are unbelievable Chazalim describing what was going on on this boat. There's an interesting Gemara in Sanhedrin on Dab Kupchas. And the Gemara says that Shem ben Nayach was actually like interviewed. Shem ben Nayach was given a description of what was taking place on the boat for this year. And he says as follows, Tsar Gadol Hayolon Abateva. We had a very, very difficult experience on that Teva. Any animal who, the way his diet is, he must eat by day. He eats during the daytime. We made a chart and we were able to see those animals that eat by day, we fed them by day. Belayla, those animals that only eat at night, there are many animals that they will not eat during the day. They don't eat at night. We fed them at night. And the Tanchuma continues and it says, Not only did they feed them, Nayach and his sons, the animals, all of these countless animals, and, and uh, shrotsim, everything, 
everything was fed not only in the right time of day, but the diet that they ate specifically was custom tailored to each animal. So a gummel was fed heaven. A gummel eats straw. They had straw on the table and they fed him straw. The chamar sayrim, a chamar won't eat heaven. You have to feed a donkey barley, and we had we had barley. We fed them barley. Yesh beimash yechelas b'shaachas, v'yesh b'shtaim, v'yesh b'shalish. Not only do we feed the animals of the day by day, we knew exactly the times of days that they had to be fed. Some animals eat apka the first hour of the day. Some animals eat the second, some the third, some chatzais laila. Every single hour of the day, throughout the 24-7 cycle on the boat, every single moment they were busy, mamish waiters, customizing a menu to perfection for each and every one of the countless brias on this boat. For these 12 months, they didn't sleep by day or by night. Chazal tell us that it's impossible to not sleep for more than three days. You need sleep, but to not be awake for more than three days. But, but you, need, you, you need to... Uh, but whatever Chazal means, but it says that for 12 months, Nayach Ubanov did not sleep because they were so busy feeding the animals. Not only were there animals on the boat, Chazal tell us there were also, if that wasn't enough to worry about, there were also Ruchais, there were Shadim on the boat, there were demons on the boat, there were all types of things on the boat that Nayach had to also apparently care for. After the 12 months on the boat as if Nayak didn't have enough and he knew that there was dry land outside he still, Chazal say, he didn't leave the boat until he got the green light from the Rabbi that now you may leave even after he knew that it was safe to leave the boat he felt that it wasn't Derech Harris the Rabbi Nisham told me to come on the boat and I don't leave the boat until the Rabbi Nisham gives me that, that, that go ahead there's an interesting um, um, an Amira of Yudin in Medrash Rabbah, it says, he said about himself, Had I been Nayak on that boat, on that Teva, at the end of those 12 months, if not earlier, I would have broken down the door just to get out. It's, it's Mamut Gehenim. Day and night, day in and day out, 24-7, to Mamish feed animals. I'm sure it didn't smell too nice on the boat. I'm sure it wasn't the most Geshmaka environment. But yet, 12 months, day in and day out, he tirelessly, without any let-up, he did a perfect job, Nayak Ubanov, on the boat. And the question is, once again, where did Nayak get this superhuman strength to be able, not only for 120 years, to go and build the Teva, but this arduous 12-month period on the Teva itself, things that we cannot fathom what he must have done, he did, without any complaints, without any tightness, he just did it. And what I believe is the Teretz is, is a midah that Nayak had that we all really must acquire in life. And that is a midah that's not so commonly talked about. You might not ever have heard about it even. 
but it's a parak in the Archa Sadikim where he goes into Lent. It's a, whoever never looked at the Archa Sadikim, it's quite kedai to do so. It's written by a, a Kadman. We don't know exactly who wrote it, but it's an unbelievable text of Musa and, and Yerushamayim and all the Midas that you'd ever want to know about in depth with all the Maramakimas that you could ever dream of, he brings in such a beautiful way. He has a, a parak, it's the 13th Sha'ar of the Sefer, and it's called Sha'ar Haratzin. What does this mean, Sha'ar Haratzin? I know Kas, I know Kinnah, I know some. What is Ratzin? So I'll read to you a few lines of what he says Ratzin is. Haratzin, you want to know what Ratzin means? Zuhi Mida It's a great, fabulous Mida to have. You only find this Mida of Ratzin by an uplifted, a noble soul. Precious. What is a person that has Ratzin? What does that look like? What does such a person contain within him? I am happy, I am content with whatever the Rabbani Shalom gives me, and I am not Maharar after the Rabbani Shalom. This is what the Rabbani Shalom is asking for me, and this is what I am living with happily. Such a person is not one of these people that are so high-strung and so quick to get angry and so quick to complain about every single thing that's not perfect because I'm not looking for gedula, I'm not looking for covid. People that are looking for gaiva and for covid, they everything has to be perfect. Every single thing has to be perfect. It has to be exactly on my terms. And if it's not, then I get furious, I get angry, I get bitter, I start complaining. But somebody with Ratzin is not looking for that. I'm not looking for glory. I'm not looking for fame. I'm not looking to have everything perfect. I'm looking What I want to do is be able to be cycle. I have the ability to take the punches and to be able to absorb anything and everything that comes my way. Never ever complain. Never to be angry with God. Say, why did he do this to me? Why did he make me this way? Why didn't he give me a certain talent that I wish I had but I don't have? Why did he allow that a certain problem came up in my life or that I'm going through a certain turbulence? Why? Why isn't God good to me? He's good to everybody else. He's not good to me. A person that has rotsin will never say this. He's always happy with his lot, and we know how great Amida that is. And then he says, when a person is a tzaddik like this, and he accepts people regardless of what they're doing to him, people will like him. He will be the most popular person around. And not only will he be popular with people, he'll be popular with the Rabbani Shalom. This is what the Archa Sadiqim describes as the Midas HaRatzim, the most amazing most valuable midah perhaps that a person can attain in his life to be, I think the best way of putting it is, to be a happy camper. To be somebody that's happy. To be somebody that's satisfied and content. We know all, always there are people that whatever happens, they're complaining. If breakfast is a little bit late, it's too hot, it's too cold, if it's uh, the food is a drop too salty, 
if uh, you know something didn't happen my way, I didn't get the mark that I wanted on the test. If uh, somebody looked at me, I'm always complaining. I'm never happy. That's one type of person. Then there's other type of people that life is not good for them pretty much ever, but they're always happy. You never hear one word of complaint. They're just the nicest people to be around. They're always with a sunny disposition. They're always satisfied with what they have, never looking for fame or fortune. They're not looking to be the big machas in, in town or in shul or in yeshiva. They're just people that they, you know, they're not even on the radar because they're always happy. They're just not saying anything. And so I believe that Nayach perhaps is a perfect per- personification of this Midah of Ratzin. Nayach was somebody who he had every right perhaps to complain to be Misra'i what's going on 120 years I have to deal with these terrible Risham around me I'd rather be learning in a base Medrash I'd rather be doing something that I want to do I have to do 120 years worth of service this is my lot in life and to give Musa to people they're not even listening to me Halavaya should end with them not listening they're threatening me they're telling me I'm, I'm, I'm crazy and I'm stupid and I'm, they're going to kill me and he continued going on and marching forward steadily without ever stopping, without ever missing a beat. And then on the table also for 12 long, hard, impossible months, he was able to do exactly what the Rabbani Shalom bid him to do and to completely be perfect in every way, be mistopic, be happy, be satisfied, be content. This is what the Rabbani Shalom wants from me and I'm doing it because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what my mission currently in life is, and I have no reason to say anything against the Rebbe Nishlerim. He had the Midas Haratzim. Rashi in Avedizarah and Davav, when he speaks of the Aydashans, this, the Gemara Darshans, that Nayak was an Ish Tzadik, Tamim Mayabudayraisov. Rashi there says, Tamim, what is the Taichin? Tamim, he was an Onav. He was modest and he was he was humble. Humble. What does that mean, humble? It means that I'm not I'm not looking for glory. I'm a simple guy, I'm a Pashta Yid. I don't need to be pampered. I don't need to be spoiled. I don't need to be on the head of the dais. I don't need to have all the glory thrown on me. I'm just happy to be a simple Ebed Hashem. I'm happy to do what you want. I'm an Ona Bushval Ruach. This is what the Rabbi Shalom wants from me, and I am his Ebed. That's what the definition of a Tomim was. I'm simple. I'm passive. I'm happy. I'm content. This was the Chain that the Rabbi Shalom found in Noyach. Noyach, Matzah Chain, Bein Hashem. Nayach had chen. What is this midah called chen? When we speak about somebody having chen, that guy has a lot of chen. What does that mean he has chen? What is the definition of chen? Chen means charm or grace. But what does that mean? Esther had nasas chen bein amelach. She had chen. What does it mean chen? I believe the definition of it's a very hard word to describe because it's sort of like a, an intangible trait it seems that some people have and some people don't. But I think what chen really means is, chen means you're happy, you're content, people see that on you, and that gives you a luster that people just are attracted to. When a person is mevatah and a sablon, 
I'm happy, I'm, I'm content, I'm not looking, I'm, I'm, I'm patient with whatever is happening around me. I don't complain. Such a person has an aura around him of just happiness. And chen, people like him. I, I, don't know, I don't know what I like about the guy, just a nice guy. Just a guy that I want to be friends with. Because he's not, he's a, a low-maintenance guy, easygoing, geschmack, a beautiful person. That's what chen is. The Gemara says in, in, in Saita, that there are three chinois. There are three forms of chen in the world that the Rebbe Nishayim implanted in, the, in, in a person's mind so that the, there's yeshiv ha'elam. One of them is there's chen makoim al yeshvot. What does that mean? Regardless of where a person resides, he thinks that's the best place in the world. If a person lives in, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, is, that's a, we got the Steelers, we got the, it's amazing. We have the best town in the world. If a person lives in, in, in New York, they think that that's the capital of the world, that's the, that's the most, uh, that's the, the, all, everything's happening in New York. A person lives in California, they got the weather, they got the, the celebrities, they got every person, every, every state in the union thinks that they are the greatest place in the world. Every country in the world, people that live there, they live there thinking that they got the secret, they got Elam Habo. Why is that? Because the Rabbani Shalom made that in the Bria, because otherwise everyone would want to move to one location. If really everybody saw the Emes, that there's one place that's more special than the other, no one would want to live anywhere else. But HaKadosh Baruch wants the whole world to be inhabited, so he made a chain in my heart that I, I happen to love the place that I live. Chain Isha Baila. person's married to a certain girl. She ain't maybe the, the, the smartest girl. She might not be any uh, a beauty a beauty pageant winner, but I like she's my wife. She has a chain to me. I like her. It doesn't make sense, perhaps. It's not people. What what does he see in her? The Rebbeinu Shalom made it that you see you have a chain. You have a chain for chain mekach al If a person buys a house, you buy a car, you buy a bicycle, whatever it is, it might not be the the most. It's not a mansion. It's not a it's not a Ferrari. It's not a, it's not a chvesa, a, a trek, but it's, it's fart, it's a, uh, it's something that I'm, uh, that I'm, you know, it's mine. It's my, it's my jalopy, but I'm happy with it. I bought it, so I bought it with my own hands, my own money, I earned the money, I'm, I'm proud of it. People have a, what does that mean? So what, now we have a better understanding of what chain is. Chain means it's something that's intangible, but it's something that I just like. Why do I like? Because I'm not complaining about it. This is, I'm happy. Chain means the ability for a person to attain satisfaction with what he has, to be mystopic with what he has. And a person that has that satisfaction with what he has, people see that in him and people have satisfaction being around that person. So Vinayak, who had this midah of honor, he was happy, he was content, never complaining. He was a person that people liked. The Rabbani Shalom, by extension, like, because people like to be, it's a, it's a, there's reciprocity. There's a reflective nature when it comes to people that are happy. If I'm happy with other people, people will be happy with me. If I like everybody, regardless of how cool they are or how rich they are, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm an affable type of guy, people will find me affable. People will find me beloved and, 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 and graceful and charming. And that is the midah that Noyach had. Noyach was a svarotzim. Noyach was content with whatever you gave him. You gave him good, he was very grateful. You gave him bad, also good. It's fine, happy. 
No reason to complain. The Rabbani Shalom decided this is what I should get. I'm happy. That's cool with me. I'm fine. And when Nayach was on the table for 12 months, Nayach was really playing God, if you will. Normally the Rabbani Shalom is the one that feeds every Bria in the world. Right? The Rabbani Shalom is the one that gives to all the animals, the behemoths, chayes, leifes. Who's the one that, that feeds? The Rabbani Shalom. I saw once a great vart from Avigdor Miller about this. He's speaking about this meat of Ratzin, actually. And he says that the Rabbani Shalom wants us to have Ratzin. And he darshins that from a pasuk, when the Rabbani Shalom feeds people, he opens up his, the hand, and he fills people with, to every human organism in the world. He feeds Ratzin. He gives them the ability not only to eat, but to be satisfied, to find satisfaction in the food and whatever they're ingesting. It's good, I'm happy. That's what the Rabbani Shalom wants. The Rabbani Shalom wants us not only to be satiated, but to be satisfied, to be happy, to be content. That's the Rabbani Shalom's goal for every single person in the Bria. And I think when Nayach was trying to simulate the Rabbani Shalom on the table by being Mepharnis each and every Bria, he himself also made it his mission to nashpia his personal midah of Ratzin, l'cholchai, all of the animals on the table, hopefully, and this was, of course, the future of the world. Whatever was on the table would be the seeds of the future world, of the next stage of the second edition of the world. So whatever he was able to nashpia into the behemoth chayvayfes, in, in terms of his personal Ratzin, he was going to be mechanech, the entire Bria, to sing the Rabbani Shalom's praises through this Midah of Ratzin. He wasn't always successful. We know the Gemara tells us, or the Medrash says, Rashi brings it, that one day he brought the Ari, his food, he brought the lion, his food, a couple of minutes late, and what happened was the lion got furious, and Nayak, how dare you bring me my food a little late, and he bit Nayak's hand. And Nayak was in a lot of pain from that. He bled and he was in a lot of pain by Yishar Ach Nayak. Ach is a lotion of pain. Nayak endured pain from this bite of the lion. So he wasn't able, perhaps, to mechanic the lion in how to be, have Ratzin, how to be happy. Okay, so the food's a little bit late, don't get crazy. Perhaps the lion had his reasons for being upset. Maybe he was an exceptional Bria, as the Mepharshim say. He was, he's the Melch Shabachayes. You don't bring the king of the beasts, the food late. But it seems that Nayak was not able to be on the Ari for that matter, at least. But I'll show you two things that Nayak was able to be on. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful understanding. There's a Gemara, this Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daf Kufchas has a beautiful medrash. There was a bird on this boat by the name of Avarshina. Avarshina was a, was a behema, Rashi said, a, 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 a bird. Rashi says that he was, uh, the name of the bird was Chayl. Another name of the bird is Chayl. Chayl is the phoenix. The phoenix, as we know, whoever plays video games knows that a phoenix is something, it's a bird that lives for a thousand years, and at the end of a thousand years, it sort of like turns into ashes, and it lays an egg, it vaporizes, and then it sort of like rises again from the ashes. And it starts another thousand years. This is not Stam Aesop's fable, it's a Medrash. It's a Medrash in Bereshus Rabbah. 
So this bird by the name of Bechel, the phoenix, which the Gemara calls Avarshina, Nayach found this bird hiding in a hold on the boat. He had a little cubby, very, very, you know, in, in the corner of the boat, in the corner of the teva, there was a little, little hold for this Avarshina. And Nayach notices out of the corner of his eye that there's this, this nice little bird sitting there. So this is another thing, by the way, that Shem ben Nayach testified to. So he says, Nayach asked, my tati Nayach asked this bird, aren't you hungry? I didn't feed you, I overlooked you. I gave everyone else in the boat, I haven't fed you probably for a couple of days. I didn't notice you until now. Aren't you hungry? Like, aren't you, like, starving? I saw that you were so busy. Look at you, you're running from, from top to bottom, from one side of the boat to the other. You're feeding thousands and thousands of creatures. I saw you were busy. I said to myself, I can't bother him. Look at what he's doing. He's so busy. His mamish, the Gemara says that, or Chazal tells us that he was so so Torah that he was coughing up blood from the, from the exertion that he had to endure. I saw you were so busy. Who am I to start you know, raising my wing and saying, hey, I didn't get to eat. I said to myself, leave him alone. Let him, let him do his job. I don't want to bother him. And with that, Nayach gave him a bracha. Nayach benched this bird, Avashina Yehrava, to like Thomas. It should be the Rebbein Shalom's saying that you never die. That you live forever and ever. And the Gemara brings a, a raya from a pasuk, a pasuk in Eiv, v'aymer and keni egaveya ukachol arbe yamim. Like that bird, like that phoenix, I should live forever and ever, because the phoenix lives forever. According to this Gemara, there's a different chazal in Brachus Rabbah. Parak Yotesla gives another reason. It's not for today. But the reason why this bird lives forever and ever, never dies, is because Nayach benched this bird because of this midah. What midah was it that he saw in this bird that he gave him such a bracha? It's the midah saratzin. Where did he get the midah saratzin? This bird, he got it from the hashpah of Nayach. He saw that Nayach was such a person with this midah of ratzin. I saw how tired you were, never uttering a word of complaint, never stopping, never tiring, never complaining. I learned from you, and I saw that it's not right to complain. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm starving. I haven't eaten in a couple of days, but I don't want to be any different than you. You are a Svaratzin, you have the mood of Ratzin, and that's what I want as well. Maral says, by the way, on that Agadita, that the reason why he was Zaycha, Mida Kenege Mida, never to die, is because when a person has this Mida of Savlanus, of patience, and of endurance, and of being able to tolerate things without complaining, such a person has no interference from other people. The reason for death, the reason for Yisurim, the reason for people sort of, you know, losing steam in life and dying is because they have people that are against them, because there's resistance, there's a lot of turbulence in their life. Turbulence in life comes because you're complaining, you're making enemies, there are people that give you ainaras. Somebody that has a midah of sablanus of ratzain, everybody's rooting for you, everybody loves you. You're the most popular person in any community in the world. And so Nayak says, you know what, I'm going to give you a bracha, that you should never die. 
because you have this need of savlonus, of rotsin, of being an honor of ruach, of having chayn, which you learned from me, I'm giving you a bracha that you should never ever die, no one should ever have any tightness on you, you should live forever, you should flourish for time immemorial. It's another Gemara, another Chazal in Erevin. The Gemara says that when Yaina came back from the Teva, from outside the Teva, he had an Alezayas, he had a, a branch of an olive in his mouth. And he says tonight, why did he choose an olive? Why didn't he bring back something else? He could have brought back other trees, he could have brought back an apple, an orange. Why did he bring back an Alezayas? So he said an amazing line. This Yaina. He says like this Yeyum is a Naisai Merurin Kizayas Biyadesh Lakadish Parachu. He was giving a message to, to Nayach and he was saying as follows I would rather that my food be as bitter as olives, an olive branch and the olive leaf, and maybe the olive itself is a very, very bitter, bitter thing. And the Yaina was saying, You know what? It's from God. You didn't give it to me, Nayach. I got this from God. And so, I'd rather have, I'd prefer eating bitter foods that the Rabbi Shalom gave me himself, rather than food that's sweet, that's given me, that a man has to give me. I'd rather take something bitter and not so geschmack, have that as my diet, but it should be straight from the Rabbi Shalom, rather than having something sweet that's from your hands. And the question is asked, isn't that a chutzpah? Isn't that the opposite of what we spoke about last week? Isn't that the biggest kofli type in the world? I thought Yaina was the good guy. The raven was the bad guy. Yaina was supposed to be the tzadikal. Yaina comes to Nayach and, and gives this message to, Yaina, to Nayach that, haha, I got an olive branch, I'd rather get it from Hashem than all the stuff that you've been coughing up blood for for the past 12 months. I didn't need that. I don't want that. I want something bitter from the Rabbi Yishlam rather than sweet from your hand. What type of chutzpah is that? But I believe the pshat is that this was a line or this was a sentiment that Nayak did not take any offense at but Nayak was kvelling from. Nayak was shepping nachas from the fact that Yaina said that. You know why? Because that was the objective of Nayak on the Teva to be mashpia l'chol ratzain. To be maspia to every single Bria in the world, rocks, and I want to teach you through my personal example how to be a happy camper. I want you to be satisfied with what I give you. I want you to never complain, and I want you to appreciate that whatever the Rebbeinu Shalom gives you, even if it's bad, that's amazing. And so when Yaina uttered these words, or symbolically told Nayach that I'd rather have things bitter, but from the Rebbeinu Shalom then sweet from you, what he was saying was, I want to be a savlon like you, Nayef. I want to be somebody that is able to be always happy, even if something is bitter in life, to always look at the bright side and always realize that this is the Rebbeinu Shalom's Ratzin, and I'm happy. And so it wasn't a chutzpah for Yaina to say this to Nayef, but rather it was the ultimate gesture of a flattery for Nayef. Wow! You Taka learned the lesson. You came, you come out of the boat with a gold medal because you realize that this is what I was trying to infuse in the entire miniature universe on the boat. 
on the Teva that you have to have the Midah of Ratzin in life. The Rabbanu Shalom made the world. Don't complain. Whatever is good, whatever is bad, everything is the Ratzin of the Rabbanu Shalom and everything, therefore, should be our Ratzin. We're all living in a Teva. One way or another, we're all in one big Teva. In Yeshiva, we're in a Teva. Yeshiva is really the ultimate Teva. If you look through all the Bali Musr, all the Bali Machshava, they use the Teva as a perfect metaphor for what the Yeshiva is. The Yeshiva is a self-contained world of Kedusha, of Tara. That's what the Teva was. And the world that surrounds us, it's full of decadence, that's full of schmutz, that's full of people that are sinners, people that are kaifim, people that are angry and dissatisfied and discontent. In our teva, we cannot have any of that. In our teva, in the yeshiva, everything has to be running smoothly, running with rotsin. We're supposed to be happy. This is what the Rabbani Shalom gave us, and it's quite good. We have nothing to complain about, really, in yeshiva. We have the most beautiful yeshiva in the world, delicious food, beautiful base medrash, sarim galore, heat in the winter, air conditioning in the summer. There is no bigger country club than base medrash of Talmud. No, really, maybe in Eretzisrael, in Beit Shemesh somewhere. But in, in, in America, there is no bigger country club than we have. And we should be incredibly starotzain. We should have incredible starotzain. We should be so happy and so satisfied with everything. And indeed, there are many people that are satisfied and happy. And they will never utter, I, they could be here six, seven, eight, nine years, and I have yet to hear one word of complaint. Everything is always, Yeshiva is amazing. I love it here. It's the most amazing place in the world. I'm so grateful to the Rabbi Shalom that I was directed here. What could be better? Can't get a... You have the dream team of Rabbeim. You have a good college. Everything. What more do you want? The greatest mashkiach in the world. What more could a person possibly want? Then there are some people that are constantly forbidden. Everything is a complaint. From day one, they come, they, they barely unpack their suitcases, not happy with my room, not happy with my share, meal plan, awful. I don't like my chavrusa, I don't like the, I don't like Queens, I don't like Main Street, um, I don't like America, I want to be back in Eretz Israel. Everything is a complaint. Never ever having a stapkus. Never being a starotzein. Never being satisfied. Baruch Hashem, I'm here. This is the best place to be. But yet, we look at it as everything is inferior. Everything is not good enough. You can't, it pales in comparison to this. I don't have the same Rebbe as I did last year. I don't have the same Ruach as I did this. So make the Ruach. You're not happy with something, so improve it. You're a human being. You're a strong, healthy, young, vibrant young man. So you, you change it. What is there to complain about? How could a person ever utter a word of complaint when we're in a great matzav? Elamai, some of us are not in a great matzav. 
And there it's a lot harder to have rotsin. When life is not shining on us, when we suffer from social problems, family issues, health issues, parnasa issues, and there it's a much bigger challenge, of course, to have rotsin. But that's what's expected of us. A person has to be able to transcend the temptation of complaining, the temptation of seeing the glass perpetually half empty, even when a take is half empty or three quarters empty. A person has to really try his best. And this doesn't mean that we all could be instant gedalim and instant sadikim, and we're entitled to once in a while have a bad day. We're entitled to once in a while say, I'm not feeling well. I don't feel like I'm learning so well. I don't like something, but we can wake up in a bad mood, and that's okay also. I'm talking about the long-term graph of life. As you extend it over a week, over a month, over a month, over a year, how does it look? Are we people that are much more satisfied than dissatisfied, or are we complainers? Or we whiners and people that are always saying, I can't stand it, I don't want it, and then it's cold, it's hot, it's. it's..." A person like that is not ever going to be happy. A person like that is never going to be popular because nobody really wants to be around such a person. And a person like that, the Rabbi doesn't care too much for either, according to what the Arfa Sadiqim seems to be telling us. The people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds chen in are the people that people find chen in. And that's a person that exudes rotsin. Chen, everything is great. I live in the best country in the world. My wife is the most amazing person in the world. My friends are fantastic. My yeshiva is terrific. The weather is beautiful. Everything is always great in my eyes. Such a person everybody loves. Everybody finds chen in such a person. What could be bad? Why wouldn't I choose that person as a friend? It's a cute story that's told uh, in, in Belgium, in Antwerp. They do what we do in America, on, in, in Yeshiva Katanis, in small preschools. They have a um, Shabbos Abbas, and Shabbos Imas, if it's a mixed class. And you know, you're, if your kid is a Shabbos Abba or Shabbos Ima, you have to go into, you have to send them in with uh, dressed up and with uh, grape juice, potato chips, cookies, whatever it is, and they distribute that to their friends. And they, play Shabbos, they're, they're like the, the father of the family for that, for that Friday. And so there was a boy in Belgium, a little boy, maybe three, four years old, and he's the Shabbos Abba of the week, and so they sing Shalom Aleichem, and they try to simulate the entire experience. They have the Kiddush cup in front of him, he sits down, he plops himself down in the seat in front of all the kids and the, and the teachers, and he says... He like opens his belt a little bit, he leans back and he says, boy, was that a crazy hard week. Boy, this was one of the hardest weeks I ever went through. In Flemish, I guess he said that. And because that's, that's what you see your father doing, so that's what you want to do. Whatever you see at home, if you see your parents complaining about everything and constantly always negative, and so that's the type of kid that you're going to grow up being. And if you... Are mechanech your kids with the midah of rotzayim? Your maspia l'chol chai rotzayim. That everything is great. 
everything is perfect, then your kids will be satisfied. There's nothing to complain about. Never will that child utter a word. If the parents are satisfied, generally speaking, the kids should be satisfied. And not only the parents, not only the children being satisfied, but everybody around you eventually, that will have a ripple effect far and wide. If you're a happy person, you're not complaining. I don't want to complain. He's not complaining. Why should I complain? He has it worse than I do. Or he's in the same boat as I am. Why should I complain worse than him? When guys ask me, as they often do when they're starting dating, so what should I look for in a girl? What should be the priorities that I should be looking for when I'm dating? I always say that after money, the number one thing... I'm <laughs> I always say that the number one thing that a person should be looking for in a girl is the mida bratsin. That the girl should be a happy girl. If a girl is happy, if a girl never says things are bad, a girl never looks for the negative... She's a positive person. She just exudes. You just, you know, everything is good. I'm happy. My parents are great. My siblings I love. My nieces and nephews are the cutest. Um, you know, I love what I'm doing. I love my career. I love my, uh, you know, I love Eric Israel. I love America. Everything is great. That's a girl that would be the greatest candidate to be a wife. Oftentimes we overlook that and we look for other things. And then we're stuck with a person, and the rest of our life we have to listen to a person never happy. In good times they're not happy, and in bad times, and everything in between, everything's a complaint. They get into the car, they go outside, you want to take a nice walk with them, beautiful night, it's freezing, i got to go inside, it's chilly, you have a sweater, you have a... Uh, you know, how come we can't, uh, the neighbors are going to Tzitzel for Sukkot, why can't we go to Tzitzel for Sukkot? Um, you know, I'm tired of, uh, you know, the shore we go to. It's not my cup of tea. I don't like any. No one's nice to me. No one's good. Everything's a complaint. Life is pure misery. The Gemara says that you want to double your lifespan, find a happy wife. And this is advice not only to guys, it's advice to girls. When a girl goes out with a, with a guy, that's what she should be looking for. A girl should look for a guy that's happy. A guy that's content, not a guy that always is bitter, always complaining, always has a shtuff, always has a, has a, has a barb and a, and a negative comment to make about everything. Nothing's ever good enough. This is the number one quality that a person should look for in a friend, in a chabrusa, in a rebbe, in a, in a neighborhood, in a community, in a, in a wife, in a child. Everything should be, the chain of a person is totally on this person's midas haratzim. Zemaisa with Reb Zusha Manipoli, the famous Reb Zusha, and one of the great rabbis, I don't recall right now, who sent his Talmud, his Talmud, his Talmud had a shaila about what it means, how do you, how do you acquire the midah of Kishem Shemavarchem Ra, Kishem Shemavarchem Ala Taib, Kachemavarchem Ala Ra, that the same way that you bench the Rebbein Shalom, you thank the Rebbein Shalom for good, you're also supposed to thank him for the bad. So how do you understand that? How do you, how, it's a nice chazab, but how do you do it? How are you able, when things are bad, when a person, Rahman al-Islam, loses a, a relative, or suffers a financial collapse, I'm really supposed to say, oh, Baruch Hashem, and make a bracha on that? How do you, how, how, how does that work? So the Rebbe sent this Talmud to the famous Rebzusha. Rebzusha was the person that lived in abject poverty, 
Mamish, he didn't have a dime to his name. He had nothing to live in. He had no Mamish garnishment. Mamish, the, the lowest, the lowest standard of living that you could ever imagine. That was Zusha Manapoli. So this person sets out as the Rebbe told him to do. He knocks on the door of Zisha and he says, Zisha says, what can I do to help you? He says, my Rebbe sent me here because you're supposed to teach me Kishem from You're supposed to be always so happy even though you have such a horrible life. So tell me, how are you Mubarak ala ra Kishem Shemavach Malatayv? Reb Zisha says, I don't know what you're talking about. I think your Rebbe must have given you the wrong address. He says, what do you mean? You have, you have it so bad, and you're always thanking the Rebbe Nishlam for everything. He says, no. He says, nothing is bad. It's not that it's bad, but I'm, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll really I'll, I'll grin and bear it and, and make that bracha. It's not bad. It's all good. Reb Zusha was on a madriga that he was able to transcend even what everyone else is complaining about. He found rutzen in that. That means that if he could do it, we could all probably do it. Or maybe not in his level, but we could aspire to doing it. To start slowly. And if we are such people and we detect in ourselves that we do have this innate negativity in us, which many of us do, and that might be a result of the environment that we grew up in or our certain friends that we have made over the years that were mashpi on us, it's never too late to change. And it might not be overnight, but it'll, it's, it's a rehabilitation process that takes time, but it's the most valuable rehabilitation that a person could ever do in his life. If a person can change his teva from being somebody that is bitter and discontented to a person that is happy, a happy camper, always, never, even if you have a complaint, I'm not happy with a meal plan. But, so now I can make a big stink about it, or I could do now, I'll never forget in Yeshiva's called Torah, where I, I went to Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, or Shlomo Zaman Yeshiva. So the, the food at the time, it changed. At the end of my tkufa, it got much better. They hired a cook from like the Ramada Renaissance, and it really improved drastically. But the first part of my experience in Kaldari, the food was really inedible. Literally, very, very difficult to digest. Um, and, and one day, they used to serve fleshigs at lunch. Like we do here now lately. And one day they brought like some meat, you know, in these white plastic bowls like they have in Eretz Israel. Like it was meat, which was a rare treat. When was the last time we had beef in, in, in you know, in Coltaira? So all of a sudden there was a guy, I didn't know what it was, but it looked okay. And, you know, and, and then I started cutting it open and there was, I saw like some, I don't know, some ventrioles or ventricles. I haven't taken biology in a long time. Anyway, it turns out that it was lungs. Which is not, it's like the stuff that everyone throws out and somebody, I guess, donated it to Kaltaira. And one guy, an Israeli guy, made a big macha. He said, everybody stop eating. Screamed to a dining room of 400 people. Stop eating. He took the carts, the metal cart, and everybody had to load up all of the, the lung bowls onto the cart. They schlepped it up the stairs and I was, you know, I was there for the ride. I wasn't on the front line, but uh, I was the chutznik that was like observing everything. And they start wheeling it to the office of the, uh, of the executive director of the yeshiva, the, the manal of the yeshiva who's in charge of these types of things. And I'll never forget the mashkiach of the yeshiva came out of his office, punked when we were riding with, a, with this cart full of lungs. Straight, you know, we didn't know that that was, that was like an unexpected turn of events. Mashkiach of Shemizam and son-in-law 
comes out, a very, very Tamar of and he says, what's going on here? So, the, you know, the Rasha Medabrim said, you know, they're serving lungs, they're chutzpah, it's inedible, it's disgusting, it's me, it's like, how do you serve? The Mashkiach got so furious. He gave a Muslim Shemuz that I've never heard in my life. A chutzpah. So the yeshiva gives you food, and you're, you're, and this is what you do, and you're, you're mamish married, you bring it and you want to, you, you slap it in our faces, we spend time, we go out collecting money so that you can eat. And this is the best you could do. On and on and on and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's, that's sort of what we have a choice to make in our life. We could choose in life to always say, this is awful, that's awful, the food's too late, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too, it's not enough. And everything else in life. Or we could be like Nayaf and be happy. This is what the Rabbi Yishlam gave me. And Baruch Hashem, I'm happy, I'm content. There's nothing in the world that I can complain about. What's good is great. What's bad is even greater sometimes. Everything is a test or a promise of the Rabbi Yishlam that has yet to be completely realized. If we do this, I can guarantee you one thing. Your marriage will be amazing. Your life will be amazing. You will find chen be'ene anoshim and be'ene hakadosh Everybody will be the most popular person in the universe if you're just able to turn a mida of nargonus of complaining into a mida of ratzain. This amazing, awesome mida that the Archet Sadikim so beautifully describes as being a mida taiva that's set aside and earmarked for those special souls, those transcendent souls that are able to overlook everything in life and become close and intimate with the Bayer Island.